ويا عبرة كل مؤمن ومؤمنة ما خاب والله من تمسك بكم وأمن من لجأ والتجأ إليكم يا ليتنا يا ليتنا كنا معكم سادتي فنفوز فوزا عظيمة قال الله تعالى في محكم كتابه الكريم وقوله الحق وهو أصدق الصادقين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد جئتمونا فرادا ولقد جئتمونا فرادا كما خلقناكم أول مرة وتركتم ما خولناكم وراء ظهوركم Between your gathering with remembrance of Muhammad and Ali Muhammad. As a gift to the soul of Sayyidina wa Mawlana, Al Imam Al Hussein, and his honorable companions, recite the second salawat. For Allah to shower onto this gathering with his infinite mercy and compassion and to hasten the reappearance of Sayyidina wa Mawlana Sahib al-Asri wa-Zaman, recite the third salawat with the loudest of your voices. Allah. On a dark night, in the month of Rajab, 62 years after the Hijrah, the migration of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from Mecca to Medina, the governor of Medina, Walid bin Utbah, released a few brigades and battalions to shut down the entire city. The battalions would stand in front of every street 
and the brigade made its way made its way to the most prestigious part of town most honorable most sacred alley in the holy city of medina known as the alley of bani hashim they arrived the soldiers arrived at the most noble door to the door of the most sacred man in the city of Medina. They knocked the door. They knocked the door and who, op who opened the door? A young man who most resembled Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. أَشْبَهُ النَّاسِ خَلْقًا وَخُلُقًا وَمَنْطِقًا بِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ When they looked at him, as if it was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa who had opened the door. The light, the nur illuminating from his face. They told him, we are here for your father. Is your father home? Who was this young man? This young man was Aliyun al-Akbar. Ali ibn al-Husayn ibn Ali alayhi salam Who was his father? His father was Sayyid Shababi Ahl al-Jannah. Al-Imam Abu Abdullah al-Husayn. We are here for your father. Tell your father to come to the governor's palace. He said, I will convey him. Moments later, Imam al-Husayn called his brothers, his cousins, his nephews, Bani Hashim. They surrounded the Imam and they made their way to the palace of Walid bin Utbah, the governor of Medina. Imam al Hussein entered by himself. The governor informed him that he has received a letter from Sham, from the so called Khalifa, the newly appointed Khalifa, Yazid bin Muawiyah, informing him that. You're the very first person to know this. Muawiyah has died. The new Khalifa has sent a letter for me to take bay'ah from the people of Medina, but specifically from you, Ya Hussein. You need to pay a bay'ah to Yazid. And that is why I have summoned you in the middle of the night. Imam al Hussein then went on to say his most famous statement. His most beloved statement to the heart of every free man. He said, Hada Yazid, this Yazid that you're referring to, Rajulun Fasiqun, Fajirun, This Yazid that you're referring to as the Khalifa of Rasulullah is a drunken man. He's a fool. He kills innocent people. He's hijacked the religion of Islam. And a man like me does not pay allegiance to a man like Yazid.
He did not say me. I, Hussein, do not pay allegiance to Yazid. He says a man like me. A man with honor, with dignity, in pursuit of freedom, liberty, justice, does not pay allegiance to a man like Yazid. And he's given me two options. He's given me two options. Either humiliation, meaning I give him my allegiance, I belittle myself, I belittle Islam, I belittle faith, humanity, my dignity, or death. And I will never choose humiliation. Those words, like they move every single soul on the face of this earth, move this governor. It moved him, it shook him. Especially when it comes from the words, from the mouth of Imam al-Husayn himself. So he said to him, Ya ibn Rasulullah, Oh, the grandson of Rasulullah. Ma hiya illa kalima. Ya ibn Rasulullah, it's just a word. We're not asking, I'm not asking much from you. Just say this word and leave. I don't want to have to stain my hands with your blood. Please. Listen to me, brothers, especially my younger friends. We just want one word from you. We're not asking for much. Imam al Hussein says, Wow unto you, O man. Do you not know the value of a word? Do you not know the value of a man's word? Allah is pleased with one word. Allah has worshipped with one word. You descend Allah's wrath onto you by one word. Wars are waged with one word. Peace is made with one word. Your wife is halal unto you with one word. She becomes haram unto you with one word. You enter paradise with one word. You seek the forgiveness of Allah with one word and the list goes on. Then he says, do you still not know the value of a word? Of a statement? You want me to give you the statement? The honor of a man is his word. The dignity of a man is his word. But what kind of word? A word that translates into action. A meaningful word. And I often, especially in those 10 nights that are so dear to us, I often think, what should be that word? What should be that statement that should be communicated from the member of Imam al Hussein to his lovers and followers? What is it that we all need to hear about? What is it that we all need to be reminded of? And believe me, sometimes choosing the easy way out, what is convenient, is not the answer that I give myself. 
If I truly want to ask myself, what is it that Imam Al-Hussein wants from me? The response that I get, the response that I give myself is look. Don't look for an easy way out of this. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult, but it's a task and it is a responsibility and we must rise to the occasion. And a lot of people say, well, talking about something controversial always brings a headache. It involves so much headache. It's better to just avoid it. And I tell you, This is an advice not only given to speakers and scholars and ulama and authors and free thinkers, but it is an advice that was also given to Imam Ali himself. You know, when Imam Ali was given the option of khilafah, it was so easy for him. They told him, we will give you this allegiance on a silver platter. Ya Ali, give us your hand. He says, Kitab Allah fanaam wa sira tu rasulillahi fanaam wa amma sira tu shaykhaini fala belhua ichtihadi ra'i. What did he say? He says, Kitab Allah, the book of Allah, the Quran, of course, indeed. Rasulullah, of course, is sunnah, indeed. But the method of the shaykhain, meaning the two that came prior to him, Umar and Abu Bakr, no. It is going to be my way. It is going to be my ijtihad. So they said to him then, we are sorry, we, can't give you, we cannot give you the allegiance. Imam Amir al-Mumini could have just ignored that little segment, took the allegiance and done what he wanted to do. But no. Imam Hussein who gives value to his kalima is the son of Ali, who honored his kalima. So they gave him this advice. Yeah, Amir al-Mu'mineen could have just simply said a word and would have been over. This advice, don't become controversial. Look at the companions of Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen. Ammar ibn Yasir. Ammar ibn Yasir, his whole life was prosecuted until the moment he died because he spoke the truth. Because he said things that were not, did not fall as music on the ears of some people. Abu Dhar al-Ghifari, one of the greatest companions of Rasulullah, lived in exile his last days and he died in exile in Rabada. You think they were not told that, look, filter, there's something called filter. Say something that is most more convenient so you don't end up in exile, so you don't end up beaten. Maytham al-Tamar. Maytham al-Tamar, who is arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, of the companions of Amir al-Mu'mineen. He was a young man. Young man, probably at the age of many of you sitting here. Listen to this. This is not just a conversation with Imam Ali and Maytham. This is a conversation with Imam Ali and all his companions. Remove the name Maytham from the story and put your name. Imam Ali says to him, Maytham, do you know how you're going to die? 
Yes, of course not. Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen. I don't know how I'm going to die. He says, would you like me to tell you how you're going to die? He says, sure, why not? He says, you're going to speak of my fada'il. You're going to speak of my virtues. Maytham, do you know how you're going to die? Maytham says, no, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, I don't know how I'm going to die. He says to him, Ya Maytham, you will speak of the truth. You will speak of my virtues. You will speak of my haqq, my right. And you will be taken as a captive. You will be taken as a prisoner. You will be lashed. You will be beaten. You will be tortured. What does Maytham ask Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen? Imagine, imagine a heart so full of iman. Brothers, get this garbage out of your heart and replace it with the love of Amir al-Mu'mineen. Whatever is worldly, take it out. Place Amir al-Mu'mineen there. Place Allah there. Place Imam Hussein there. Whatever there is, it's enough. Enough is enough. Say enough is enough. I'm not going to bring anything that takes me away from Allah in my heart. This is a heart of a man, Maytham al-Tamar, that was occupied by the love of Allah. So he says to him, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, what will I do? Will I give up? Will I break? Will I tremble? Will I be afraid? He said, no, you will not. You will remain strong. This was his question from Amir al-Mu'mineen. He didn't say to him, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, that's such an unfortunate reality that I have to face where I'm going to go to prison and I'm going to be beaten. Then he says, but that's not the end. You're going to speak and speak and speak and they tell, until they take you to a palm tree. They're going to, they, they're going to crucify you on this palm tree, O Maytham. Crucify you. He says, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, will I give up? Will I be afraid? Will I, will I tremble? He says, no, you will not. He says, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, so how will I be killed? He says, first, they would want to mute you, so they're going to cut your tongue. Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, what will happen when they cut my tongue? Nothing, you will remain strong. You will be a faithful person, a loyal person, until they kill you. You think Maytham was not given the advice at the time that, look, Maytham, just let it go. It's not worth it. You're going through torture. Instead, Maytham al-Tamar says to him, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, can you show me that palm tree? So Imam Ali one day takes his hand and takes him and shows him the palm tree. Guess what Maytham would do with that palm tree? He would go every day and he would water the palm tree and he would say, you're my best friend. We're going to spend the best times, the best days of my life. I'm going to spend it with you. And he would pray there two rak'ah, thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he was going to gift him with shahada and martyrdom fi sabilillah. And tonight I want to talk about something that is also extremely important and dear to the heart of Imam al-Hussein. And that is the privilege of helping others. Something that we don't hear too often. 
And the title gives it away. Helping others, brothers and sisters. In Islam, is considered a privilege. It's not something that is given to every single person. It is a privilege that knocks at the door of the most beloveds of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I will tell you why. One day a farmer comes to Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq in Medina. He says to him, Yabna Rasulullah, I come to you from Ahwaz. Ahwaz is a city in contemporary Iran. It was part of Iraq possibly at the time. He says to him there, Ibn Rasulullah, we have a governor. This governor is in Taqiyah. I know that he's one of your followers. I know that he loves you. I know that he listens to you. And I have so much taxes to pay and I'm so much in debt to the government. I would never be able to survive. Can you please help me with my taxes? Can you please write a statement to this governor? Maybe he would take less taxes from me. This happens to many of us, by the way. People come and ask us for help because you have a friend, because you're in a position of influence. So Imam al-Sadiq says, bring me a paper and pen. Imam al-Sadiq writes this statement. Look how general it is. Why? Because Imam al-Sadiq knows that there will be a day where his Shia, his followers, will, re will read this letter. So he makes it a general statement, not specifically for that specific person. So we say, well, this was speaking to that specific person. It doesn't speak to me. He says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna lillahi dhillan yawma la There is shade, mercy, compassion. On the day where there is no shade, mercy, and compassion. Meaning, on the day of judgment. For those who solve the problems of their brothers in faith. Then Imam al-Sadiq wrote, and this man is your brother. Wassalam. One line. This man took the letter. He went to the governor. His name was Najashi. He sat down, everybody left. He says to him, I have a letter for you. The man opened the letter. He realized that it was the handwriting of Imam al-Sadiq, signed by Imam al-Sadiq. He took the letter, he kissed it, he put it on top of his head. He says, you carried a letter, handwritten letter from Imam al-Sadiq to me. How much do you need to pay in taxes? 200 Dirhams. He called his personal secretary, personal assistant. He says, do we have 200 dirhams? He said, yes. He said, please give it to this man. Give him 200 dirhams. This man thanked Najashi. Thank you very much. May Allah bless you. He wanted to leave. He says, sit down. Where are you going? Do you have a house? He says, no, I'm just a simple farmer. So he told his personal assistant, bring me all my real estate. How much do I own? He says, you own a lot. Many homes, many lots, many pieces of land, many commercial real estate. Let's say there was 70 deeds. Give him 35 of them. This man was shocked. I don't need all of this. Just take it. 
Are you pleased? He says, I'm beyond pleased. Of course I'm pleased. I didn't expect this. He thanks him. He wants to leave. He says, sit down. How many horses do you have? He says, I, I don't have a horse. I walk. He asks his personal assistants, how many horses do I own? For example, he tells him 50. He says, give 25 of them to this man. This man is shocked. You don't have to do this. Believe me, you don't have to do this. I am pleased. I don't need any more. He says to him, are you happy? He says, of course I'm happy. He wants to leave. He says, sit down. How many servants do you have? I don't have any servants. Gives him half his servant. He divides everything that he owns with this man. 50-50. 50-50. Then he tells him, please, all I ask of you is when you return to Medina, tell my imam what I did so that my imam can be pleased with me. Meaning what? Meaning I didn't do this for you. I wasn't trying to please you. I was trying to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through my imam. So this man goes back to Medina. Months later, he tells the imam the story. As he continues with the story, the imam's face is so joyful. He begins to shed tears of joy. The imam starts shedding tears of joy. So he says, this man says to him, Ya ibn Rasulullah, it seems that this man made you happy. He says, Wallah qad asarran. Wallah he has pleased me. Wallah qad asarra jaddi amir al-mu'mineen. He has made my grandfather amir al-mu'mineen happy. Wallah qad asarra jaddi rasulullah. Wallah he's made my grandfather happy. Rasulullah happy. Wallah qad asarra Allah fi arshah. He's made Allah happy at his throne. How many years do you have to pray and do you have to fast and do you have to go to hajj? What do you have to do to get to this status? This is what's missing out of the minabar, the pulpit. People believe the only way to the heart of your imam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being pleased, Rasulullah being pleased is through siyam, salah, avoiding of sin, and so on and so forth. This indeed, I tell you brothers, sisters, if you read the hadith that speak of helping others, you would think we are created for the sole purpose of serving one another, aiding one another, assisting one another, taking care, taking care of one another. Muslims came to Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah, in Mecca. Ya Rasulullah, we are devastated. We're surrounded by enemies. Things are very difficult for us. You've promised us that one day this is all going to go away. One day this is all going to end. But the people of Quraysh gain more power. Over us, they prosecute us and they had put them where? In Shab Abu Talib. In exile. They would not sell them any goods. They would, buy, they would not buy any goods from them. They would not even send them food, even water. 
was scarce for them. They didn't have water to drink. So the Muslims were on the verge of breaking down. Imagine. And I want to kind of relate this to our situation today as Muslims in America. Many of us, we feel we're suffocating. And this is a reality. Many of us at airports, we've gone back home. We visited our uncle, aunts, grandparents, parents. When we come back, there has to be an interrogation. Where were you? Well, I was back home. I was visiting my family. Why is that a problem? Or when you go through the airports, you're always randomly selected. Always. If you are a woman wearing the hijab competing against somebody else who's not wearing the hijab, if your name is Ali or Fatima competing against somebody whose name is not Ali or Fatima, it's difficult. So I want to talk about this. They came to him, Ya Rasulullah. When is this going to end? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the 27th chapter of the Holy Quran. Surah Al-Naml. Naml, the small ant. Surah Al-Naml. Allah says your, the, the reply to your question is in this surah. Why? Because Allah there gives the example of this ant that we see we don't even, we don't even give a care. When we look at this ant, because it's so small, it's tiny, right? Allah uses that story of Sulaiman and how Sulaiman's troops, Sulaiman was the king of kings, the most powerful man, and he's marching through the desert. An ant calls out, Oh, ants, hide away. Sulaiman is coming, he's marching, he's gonna destroy you. So, Sulaiman, because he knew Mantaq al Haywan, he knew the language of the animals, he knew what she said. So Sulaiman smiled. Allah brings this ayah within the Quran and names the 27th chapter, Surah Al-Naml. Why? Go read about the ant. The ant doesn't have a commander. There's no king, there's no president, there's no prime minister. But they all, listen, faithfully execute their job without outside supervision, without somebody telling them, look, if you don't do this, there's going to be a punishment. The small insignificant ant. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, All my creation is an ayah, as a sign. Use my creation to seek nearness to me. Understanding. Number two, the ants will always find a way. You all know this. As soon as they realize one door is shut, you see them all moving to this side. You shut this, they all move to another. They will always find a way. They're not going to be sitting there, well, uh, what, are you gonna, what are we going to do? It's the end of you know, our plan. They always have another plan. They'll always find a way. They're always determined. And they plan ahead. They plan ahead. They plan for the winter. They plan for the summer. And a lot more to be learned from the life of this small insect. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dedicates a whole chapter in the Holy Quran. And naml Go read this chapter tonight. Contemplate on this chapter tonight. Allah sends this whole chapter telling the Muslims there's one way for things to change. For you to become like the ants. Work together. Help one another. Do not give up. Plan ahead. 
That's what's going to change things around. And Allah tells me and you the same thing today. If we don't get involved, if we do not decide to change things for our community, we, sh we cannot, we no longer can afford to think as individuals and act as individuals. We must immediately tell ourselves and teach our children, we think, produce, and execute as a community, not as individuals. Many people think they've come to this country on a long vacation. Is this true? Many people thought this. I'm here for a few years, I'm gonna make some money. And whatever money they got, they built homes back home. But who goes to that home? Nobody now, it's deserted. One month out of the year, if that, somebody goes and enjoys the summer vacation there and you come back. Life is here. We live here now. Not just us. The whole United States is a community of immigrants, except a few. Why is it that others are prosperous now? They are successful. They not only control the economy, politics, media, and we're sitting there complaining. Not being involved is not a solution. In fact, your enemies don't want you to be involved. Because when you're not involved, who takes your place? Who has a voice? Not only that, I'm not talking about just political involvement. We have to be able to understand we must demonstrate the true nature of Islam, the essence of Islam. I'm not against people standing in the middle of a street praying. People look at the salah of the Muslims and it's, it's beautiful. I'm not against that. But that is really not very impactful. It's not. You know what's impactful? I read a story about an old lady who converted just before she died. Subhanallah. This lady calls a cab. Listen to this beautiful story. This lady calls a cab and the cab arrives at the break of dawn to her house. It's a lady, she's, she has a little bag and, you know, a couple of things in her plastic bag and the cab goes and knocks the door. So she says, can you help me? She's an old lady. She's frail. She cannot walk. So he gets her luggage. He helps her. He puts her in the vehicle. He says, where are you going? She says, I'm going to the hospice. The doctor said it's my last day. I'm prepared for death. Um, those are my last days. Can you drive through downtown? It's a taxi driver. Yeah, sure. So she takes this cab driver and she says, this is where I got married. And then, can you go to this street? And he goes there. This, is, this was my school. This was my high school. And then, can you go to this location? This was my favorite park growing up. This was my school. This 
cab driver says, without telling her, I shut down the meter. I shut off the meter. So I tell her, where else do you want to go? I'll show you anything you want to see. He says, my favorite restaurant, my favorite pizzeria. So he says, I drove her four hours. I drove around for four hours. And then we arrived to the hospice. I dropped her off. I put her luggage. She said to me, how much do I owe you? I said, nothing. The cab driver says, nothing. So what do you mean nothing? You got to make a living. I don't need this money. I'm dying. I, I can afford to pay you. He says, I know you can. But I didn't do this for you. He says, then who did you do it for? He said, I did it for Allah. Listen, I did it for Allah. Allah put me in your way. Allah chose me to be your cab driver today. I'm glad you didn't end up with a mean cab driver. I'm glad that I was here to take care of you and help you and show you compassion and show you kindness because this is what pleases Allah. We're taught as Muslims that if people in need are placed in our lives, it is a blessing from Allah. It's a form of charity. Consider this a charity for me. This woman converts to Islam on her last days because of the cab driver. Before, while she was terminally ill. This is how we ought to show Islam to the public. One day, Amir al-Mu'mineen while he was the Khalifa, was sitting. And a day, the, the, the companion who narrates the story says, In the middle of the heat, noontime, I, said, I saw Amir al-Mu'mineen sitting in front of his house, not inside his house. By the way, Imam Ali, he didn't go and live in the house of the Khilafa. He lived, he, he made a, a little shack for himself, where he could not even walk in that house. He could not even walk there. He had to bow and walk through the, through the house. It was like a maze. Very small shack. He was sitting in front of the door. So this person comes to him. Saeed al-Hamadani. He says to him, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, what are you doing in the middle of the heat? You're sitting in front of your house. Why don't you go inside? He said, maybe there is somebody that's going to need me. Listen, maybe somebody that's going to need me. It's better to see me in front of my house than inside the house. Maybe if I'm inside the house, they're going to be shy to call me out. Or it's going to delay the process. So I'm sitting here waiting to see who needs Ali ibn Abi Talib so that I can resolve their problems. So I can assist them. So I can aid them. He says, moments later, a woman came running, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, please help me. My husband's going to divorce me. He's going to beat me. He's this, he's that. She's panicking. Sister, what happened? She says, my husband told me if I arrive late, he's going to divorce me and he's going to beat me. Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, I'm scared. I don't, I don't want to go back home. So Amir al-Mu'mineen, the hadith says, he got up and he said, he told himself, Qum ya Ali. Ali, now this is your time. Get up. He himself, the Khalifa, the commander-in-chief, the most important man, says, take me to your home. Knocks at the door. 
The man opens the door. He says, Ya Allah, go inside. You go inside. He told her husband, please forgive your wife. She couldn't make it on time. He said, she's come with a foreign man. I'm going to burn her. Who are you? I'm going to burn her. What is your relationship with her? So some people passing by told him, you fool. You don't know who this is? He says, no, I don't. He told him, this is Ali. This is Ali ibn Abi Talib. So he fell at the feet of Imam Ali. Please forgive me. I beg you this, that. Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib told him a, a beautiful statement. A mesmerizing statement. Imam Ali told him, how can you not be ashamed of your own act in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Do you not know that Allah is watching you? Allah has a witness to your act? Imam Ali was always ready. Always ready to serve people. One day Imam Hassan al-Mujtaba, Sayyid Shababi Ahl al-Jannah, Sibtu Rasulillah, was in a state of i'tikaf. You know what i'tikaf is? When you go inside the masjid for three days in the month of Ramadan and you don't leave the masjid. You spend the whole time in dua. It's called i'tikaf. So he was in a state of i'tikaf. A man comes to him. This is how I want you to understand Islam. If until today you have it wrong, I want you to change the way you think. He comes to Imam al-Hasan, he says to him, Ya Rasulullah, I'm indebted. And the people are coming to my house and embarrassing me. How much is it? He tells the Imam, Imam says, Wallah, I don't have the money to give you. But, I, but the Imam stood up. He wore his shoes. His companion told him, Ya Rasulullah, did you forget you're in i'tikaf? Because if you leave, your i'tikaf is batil. You can't leave and come back. He says to him, no, of course I didn't forget I am an i'tikaf. But I heard my father say that Rasulullah has said, if, I, if a mu'min solves the problem of, the, of another mu'min, if a mu'min aids another mu'min, he gets the thawab of 1,000 years of worship, fasting every single day and praying the entire night. So it's a no-brainer. I'm going to go help this man. This is Islam. I've seen many people. I've seen many people. MashaAllah, we have very wealthy people in our community. Wealthy people. Now it's no longer a competition about the millions. The competition is about the tens of millions, hundreds of millions, and billions. We have billionaires in our community. We have people who have hundreds of millions of dollars. Tens of millions of dollars piled up. And I want to speak to them. A word from Imam al-Hussein. From this member of Imam al-Hussein. Tonight, a few words. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-An'am, chapter 6 of the Holy Quran, gives us a very beautiful picture. Very, very beautiful picture. Mesmerizing. It is the truth about our life, the reality that we must face, the 
ayah that I began my lecture with. Listen to this very quickly. Allah says, وَلَقَدْ جِئْتُمُونَ فُرَادَ And you have come to us singular, as one. When? Allah speaking of the day of judgment. We're all alive. None of us are dead. When the Qur'an was revealed, it was speaking to people who read this ayah who were alive. They weren't dead. But Allah says, you have returned to us. Everybody's dead. There was day of judgment. Now you have returned to us. Something, that w something which has not occurred yet, right? But Allah says, speaks of it in the past tense. وَلَقَدْ جِئْتُمُونَ فُرَادَ Singular. As one. Alone. كَمَا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ أَوَّلَ مَرَّةِ Just like the day that you were born. The day that you were born, were you clothed? Were you wealthy? Were you famous? Did people know you? Did you have followers? You were nothing. You were nothing. And you will return to Allah as nothing. Let's pause here for a second. Brothers, sisters, death is real. Death is real. The grave is real. Being alone in your grave is real. Being in need of your amal salih is real. It's not some fictitious story. We see it every single day of our lives and we go to back to Allah as one by ourselves. The day that you were born, you didn't have a name. Nobody knew you. Nobody cared for you. The day that you go to Allah also, nobody cares. This is the general. This is a president. This is a alim. This is an ayatollah. This is a marja. This is an emperor. Nothing. None of that. It's you and your amal salih this is what makes you king on that day. This is what makes you, turns you into a prince on that day. When we die at best, if we have a grave, a tombstone, on our tombstone they write, this is the grave of such and such alim, such and such emperor, such and such president, prime minister, doctor, professor, on our tombstone, but it doesn't follow us. It stays there. The millions of dollars, the wealth that we have compiled stays here the moment Israel comes. And I see Israel, it's called the moment of Mu'ayana. When I see the next life, that's it. At that moment you say, well, I was planning to give my money. No, that, that moment is your last moment. You should have done it before that moment. When is that moment for me? When is that moment for you? When is that moment for you? I, we don't know. It could be now. It could be five minutes from now. It could be an hour from now. It could be ten years from now. Are we ready for that moment? Think of the moment when they take us and they put us on the mukhtasal. Stripping you away from everything, including your clothes. Including your clothes. You're nothing. The car keys are gone, the houses, the lands, the businesses, the millions, the titles, everything you have to leave. Khalas, there is no return. And they put you on the mukhtasal and they wash you and they carry you and they put you on the grave. When they put us in the grave, 
a few people will shed tears and cry for us. As soon as the grave is sealed, what happens? Everybody's in their cars going, leaving. Within two hours, you will be all alone, you and your amal salih. The hadith says in that moment of loneliness, the good deeds will come to your rescue. Your salah, your siyam, your hajj, your cries for Imam al-Hussein. Every, all the good deeds will come. We'll say, we're here for you. Don't worry. You're not alone. But the greatest of them, the most beautiful of them, that you see, you say, who's this guy? He's so beautiful. He gives me so much peace as helping others according to the riwayah. As solving people's problems. As making the creation of Allah happy. Because that pleases Allah. As removing a pain from someone's heart. Lessening the trouble of others. And we have many wealthy people in our community. Many people. They leave the fortune for, the, for their children. He leaves it for his inheritors. He's created an empire for his kids and his grandkids and the grandkids of his grandkids. Not knowing that as soon as he's put in the grave, Munkar and Nakir will ask about every penny. How did you earn it? How did you spend it? How did you earn it? How did you spend it? Brother, think of yourself as well. Think of your akhirah. Think of your grave. Hadith al-Qudsi says every day, every single day, this earth speaks to us. It says, Ya Bani Adam, today you walk on my back with arrogance, but remember, but tomorrow you'll be deep within me. Ana baytul ghurba. I am the house of loneliness. Take care of me. Decorate me. In the, in the dunya, we all care about their prime real estate. I have to have prime real estate. I have to live in the best neighborhood. I have to live in the best street. I have to live in the best zip code. But in the akhirah, where do you live? In the akhirah. There are many neighborhoods in the akhirah. The neighborhood of the righteous, the neighborhood of the shuhada, the neighborhood of the anbiya, the neighborhood of the awliya, the neighborhood of the awsiya, the neighborhood of the Siddiqeen, the neighborhood of Ahl al-Bayt. Where do you want to be? Have you decided where you want to be? If you have, then you have to work for it. You have to construct yourself, your residence for the hereafter. Then he says, and you have left behind you, listen to this, with this I want to conclude. And you have left behind you that which we allowed you to use. You know when you go on a beautiful vacation and you're leaving and the car is driving, you keep looking back. Why? Because you have an attachment. You have an attachment. You say, I, I never wanted to leave this place. You want to grasp that last memory out of that place that you've gone and you've witnessed and you've seen. Allah says it's going to be the same exact thing. When Azrael comes, you look back, what about my kids? What about this house I was building? What about this company I was just starting? What about all my plans? Allah says, move on, move on. The angels say, that's it, khalas. Move forward. There is no return. There is no coming back. 
And Allah says, وَأَنذِرْهُمْ يَوْمَ الْحَسْرَ Ya Rasulullah, remind them of the day of regret. When the good, the righteous, the generous will say, I wish I did more. Treat other kids also as your kids. From a different father, from a different mother, treat them like your kids. Others are also your brothers from a different father and a different mother. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let me say this when, and with this I conclude. There was a alim, a marja' in the holy city of Najaf. He was very popular because he was a people's man. People loved him. And he told people, listen, if you need my help, I'm here for you. Come and knock at my door. My door is always open. So one day he had majalis, he had lectures, he had salah, this, this. He came home at 2 a.m. He fell asleep. You know when you've had an exhausting day and you fall asleep, five minutes later somebody wakes you up, you're very agitated. You're even scared. Anxiety is through the roof. As soon as he falls asleep, somebody knocks at his door. 2 a.m. So the sheikh gets up, he tells himself, look, you have to calm down. You have to calm down. You have to smile on this guy's face. It's okay. He goes, he opens the door, embraces this man. How can I help you? He says to him, at 8 a.m., they'll take my home away. I am indebted. I have signed my home away. And if I don't pay those guys by 8 a.m., they'll take my home. Please help me. So the sheikh didn't tell him, what, it's 2 a.m. You want the money by 6 a.m., 8 a.m. What am I going to do for you? How can I possibly make this happen? He says to him, leave this with me. You go home and rest. At 8 a.m., he gives him the money. The guy takes care of business. Good, right? It's amazing. He comes home. He says, finally, let me rest. Wow. Those people are such a headache. I told them to come and, you know, knock at my door. But not like this. To himself. He's thinking this. He goes to sleep. Who does he see in his dream? He sees Imam al-Mahdi. Imam al-Mahdi says to him, Sheikh, if you're so upset, I will no longer send people to your home. If you're so upset about this, I won't send people to ask for help from you. We'll send them somewhere else. This is a na'mah, brothers. This is a blessing when someone, if they don't ask, but you know, this is a na'mah that you know and you are aware and others aren't. Thank Allah for this na'mah. The hadith says, if you don't take advantage of this na'mah, Allah will take it from you and give it to someone else. He says, you're no good for this job. If you have the ability to erect a home for someone, to take care of someone's debt, do it. This is a ni'mah from Allah and the money is not going to decrease. And helping others and the greatest form of helping others is also aiding the cause of Ahl al-Bayt, specifically Imam al-Hussein. And believe me, Imam al-Hussein does not need me or you or anybody or the entire earth. He is rich. He is wealthy. He has it all. But it's a form of solidarity with Rasulullah.
to show our love for Imam al Hussein. Don't be Meisner with Imam al Hussein. Don't hold back with Imam al Hussein. Never hold back. Give. Because Imam al Hussein will give you back in a thousand folds. I have a friend who's doing very well, mashallah. Very well. He said, Sayyid, would you like me to tell you why I'm so blessed? Business is always expanding for him. MashaAllah. He said, Sayyid, because when I see people are in need, when I want to give my donation, when I want to give my gifts, I wait until Muharram. Then I go to people who I know are in debt. This guy needs a car. This guy needs a house. This guy. And I give them the money. Then. And some people tell me, well, <laughs> it's not Eid. What are you doing? This is Muharram. I says, yes, I know. Take this in the name of Abu Abdullah al-Hussein. In honor of Imam al-Hussein. This is the barakah of Imam al-Hussein. Believe me, brothers and sisters, there is nothing that will please your Imam more than this. And that's why Imam al-Hussein's got this man's back. He's protecting him, his family, and his businesses. And the reason why I see some people, wallahi, very honorable, prestigious, wealthy people, successful people, they fight over the ambassadors of Imam al Hussein. If there is a speaker, a alim, a khadim of Imam al Hussein that comes to their town, say, We have to take care of him. We want to take care of him. Why? Because they want the barakah. They're making a deal with Imam al Hussein. Here's your Muslim ibn Aqil, and we're taking care of him. Your Muslim ibn Aqil is no longer going to be left alone. People who take time out of their day, they can go and hire the best restaurant to bring food for them. But no, they want to cook at home. They want to break a sweat for Imam al-Husayn. Why? Because tomorrow they tell him, Ya Abu Abdullah, we served you. Out of love, nothing else. It's not for thawab, it's not for jannah, it's not for anything else. It is for the extreme love that I bear for you, Ya Aba Abdullah. And how are we inspired through the years? Hundreds of years, how are we inspired? We are inspired by the companions of Imam al-Husayn. The ashab of Imam al-Husayn. الَّذِينَ بَذَلُوا مُهَجَهُمْ دُونَ الْحُسَيْنِ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ Tonight is dedicated to the Ashab of Imam al-Husayn. The companions of Imam al-Husayn. The shining stars at the camp of Abu Abdullah. So many of them. Each one of them with the most inspirational story. But the most honorable of them was Habib. The other day I was visiting Imam al-Hussein, a man next to the grave of Habib said something to me. I broke into tears. He's looked at the grave. He said, this man was honorable. This man was so loyal. And it hit me. Imagine a frail man in his 80s, 90s at the time. Sahabi of Rasulullah. 
A person who recites the Quran every single day. Imam al Hussein says, I am a witness that in one day you would recite the Quran, the whole Quran. He was the master of his people. He arrives to the camp of Imam al Hussein. When he arrives to the camp of Imam al Hussein, he's happy. I made it. Alhamdulillah, I'm now with Hussein. A young boy comes into the tent. He says, Man minkum Habib. Which one of you is Habib ibn Madahar? Habib says, Ana I am your servant, Habib. What is it that I can do for you? He says, My aunt Zainab, the daughter of Ali ibn Abi Talib, sends her salams to you. Her salams to you. Habib begins to cry. He weeps. He says, Who am I for Zainab to send her salams to me? Ya Habib, Zainab has a message. She tells you, Ya Habib, alayka bil gharib. Make sure that you stand with this lonely man. With Hussein. A difficult day is approaching. Those were the Ashab of Imam al Hussein. That is why the Imam, the Ma'asum, when he speaks to those Ashab, he says, Tabtum, blessed are you. And blessed is the soil that you were buried in. You receive the grand victory. Another hadith, in another tradition, he says that may I be a sacrifice to you. The Ashab of Imam Al-Hussein. All of you tonight, I know you desire, you wish, in your hearts that you were there on the 10th of Muharram. So that when your Imam came out of the tent and he raised his voice, is there anyone to come to our rescue? Is there anyone to hear our plead? You would stand. You would stand and you would tell him, Ya Aba Abdullah, I am here for you. How can you go before me? And I would like to share a few stories with you. A few stories, very quickly with you. But before we do that, I want to hear you, brothers and sisters, wherever you are, inside, outside, at your homes, in your living rooms, in your cars, wherever you are. Raise your voice tonight. Send it all the way to Imam al Hussein. Imam al Mahdi is a witness. Brothers, sisters, with Zainab, with Habib ibn Madahir, with the rest of the companions of Imam al Hussein. Raise your voice, release that voice for Imam al Hussein.
together louder labbayka ya husain labbayka ya the soldiers of husain labbayka ya husain labbayka ya one more time all the way to karbala labbayka ya On the 10th of, on the eve of the 9th of Muharram is when those Ashab demonstrated who they were, who they really were. As Sayyidah Zainab is overheard by the Ashab. Will those guys leave you tomorrow, Ya Abu Abdullah, or will they stand firm? So they overheard. They said, we have to make sure that Zainab knows none of us is leaving tomorrow. So they called out Imam al Hussein. They said to him, Ya Abu Abdullah, we are here to reaffirm our bay'ah to you. We are here to repay our allegiance. Just like you tonight, you repay your allegiance to Imam al-Hussein. One of them says, Ya Abu Abdullah, if tomorrow they take me and they cut me into pieces and they burn me and they turn me into ashes and they give me back my life 1,000 times, I would gift it to you, Ya Abu Abdullah. And one, another one of them was Abis ibn Shabib. Abbas was seen, he went, he fought, he came back, he went, he fought, he came back until he took off his shield, he was running towards the enemies, they told him, Ya Abbas, have you gone mad? Why did you take off your shield? He says, yes, I have gone mad. قَدْ أَجَنَّنِي حُبُّ الْحُسَيْنِ حُبُّ الْحُسَيْنِ The love of Hussein has taken away my sanity. One after another they fell until this young man, I want to tell you about this young man. This young man, he came to Imam al-Hussein, he could not even carry us the sword. The youngest of the shuhada of the camp of Imam al-Hussein. And he was wearing his helmet, he was wearing his shield, he came, he stood in front of the tent. He said to him, Labbayka ya Hussein, I am here. Imam al-Hussein looked at him, he said, this guy is a kid, send him back to his mother. And his father has just been slain in front of his eyes. I cannot see him. Go. He goes back. Then his mother brings him. She's holding on to his hand. She brings him. She says to him, Ya Aba Abdullah, what will I tell your mother Fatima on the day of judgment? Will I tell him I protected my son while her son had no protection? Ya Aba Abdullah. I beg you allow him to go. This is my wish. This young boy enters the battlefield. What does he say? Look at this beautiful poetry. He says, Amiri Hussein wa ni'mal amir. Do you want to know who my commander is? Do you want to know who my mawla is? Do you want to know who I'm standing here in defense? It is Hussein, and he's the best of commanders. Amiri Hussein, wa ni'mal amir, sururu fu'ad al-bashir al-nadhir. He was what gave joy to the heart of Rasulullah. Aliyun wa Fatimah 
والداه فهل تعلمون له من نظير you know anybody that's like Hussein? What did they do with this child? Sisters, with the mother of this child, I want you to raise your voice and your cries. They killed him, then they took his head and they threw it towards the camp of the woman. Ya Sayyidana wa Maulana all of us together before I hand it over to my respected brother Hajinuri. All of you together. Ya Sayyidana wa Maulana Inna Tawajjahna Wastashfa'na Watawassalna Bika ilallah Waqaddamna anka Bayna yaday Three times, Ya Wajihan, 